Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane. Three Roll is cane to glass. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Rashidi, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rashidi. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We hear a lot about mindfulness these days. Mindfulness is basically not taking things for granted, but instead being consciously aware of what is going on in the present moment. Now, it's unlikely that serious practitioners of mindfulness have a protocol for walking into a bar, but hey, this is New Orleans. When you walk into a bar, you might unconsciously be asking yourself, what am I going to drink? A more mindful approach might be to let your gaze fall on the bottles behind the bar and perhaps notice a particular bottle, say one with a bright blue wax seal and a label that says River Basin Distillery. And you might find yourself asking, who are the people who make this rye whiskey? Then noting that all the bottles in here are made of glass, your next mindful moment might be to wonder, how do you make glass? Well, your mindfulness is paying off. These are the very questions my guests on Out to Lunch today are going to answer. The answer to question number one is Elliot Weiner. Elliot is the co-founder of New Orleans Rye Whiskey Company, River Basin Distillery. Elliot, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. Pleasure to be here. And so, to question number two, how do you make glass? We can put that question to Gene Blair. Gene is the founder of New Orleans Glassworks on Magazine Street, uh, pretty near the World War II Museum. Glass artists make and sell glass creations there. You can also sign up for classes at New Orleans Glassworks and learn to blow glass yourself. Gene Blair, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. This is a treat for both me and my school to be able to share what we do. Terrific. Now, Elliot, Ride the crop is grown in Kentucky and Tennessee, where it's distilled into whiskey and shipped to you in your own specially prepared oak barrels. The New Orleans climate and its changing humidity level then goes to work expanding and contracting the barrels and the whiskey that's in it. That expansion and contraction forces the whiskey to intermingle with the wood, and after it's done that for a couple of years, the whiskey takes on the flavors of the wood, creating the particular taste you were going for, and the whiskey is ready to be bottled. Now, I'm wondering if there's a kind of blockchain version of this process. Could you ship a barrel of whiskey from Kentucky directly to me? I could leave it in my garden shed for two years and then pour it out and drink it. So instead of having to bottle and distribute it, you could sell whiskey directly to the consumer by the barrel. Is this possible, or am I missing something in the whiskey-making process between aging and bottling? Well, great questions, Peter, a lot there. So is it possible for you to get your own barrel shipped directly to your garage? Technically, yes, it's possible. However, you might have some tax and trade bureau agents oh or some alcohol tobacco control agents chasing you for that excise tax. I so. hate to have the feds running through my front lawn, so I see where you're going. <laughs> so it is a highly regulated industry, alcohol and distilled spirits, dating back to some of the prohibition era laws. Um, but what we do here, as you mentioned, is we're utilizing our unique climate 
here in New Orleans to age our barrels in a slightly different way, right? So when you look at a whiskey bottle, you wonder, why is it brown? And what that taste that you get, that sweet cinnamon, clove, caramel, all those sweet flavors come from the interaction of the distillate in barrel, right? So the In barrel, not something you do at the end. Correct. Okay. There are no additives. Um, there's no sweeteners, no dyes, nothing artificial added to it. It's all that natural interaction of the distillate in barrel. And so that's what we're doing at River Basin is having it sit in our 53-gallon new American white oak barrels for a period of about three years, 3.5 years, uh, and just really taking on a lot of those natural flavors. Gene, you initially started up New Orleans Glassworks after you've been working for 15 years at the glass studio at Tulane's art department. When students graduated or when faculty retired, if they wanted to continue working in glass, they had to leave New Orleans. You figured that if they had a glassmaking studio to work in, maybe these folks would stay here. Your plan worked. Glass artists have been working at the New Orleans Glassworks since you opened the doors in 1990. Today, though, I believe the artistic glass blowing business has competition from, of all places, the cannabis business. Apparently, glass blowers can make a great deal of money making glass pipes and bongs, and, and this is seducing glass artists away from making more traditional pieces like glasses and bowls. Is there really that much money in the cannabis paraphernalia market that it's upending the glass blowing industry? Actually, it's interesting because it's two different types of glass. The cannabis is borsilica glass, which is actually the same type of glass you use on the tiles of the space shuttle. Oh. It's a scientific it's a glass, and it, and it really holds the heat a little differently. We have what they call soft glass, which is furnace glass. So when we do the glass out of the furnace, that's what chandeliers are made out of. Uh, it's, it's a different process. You can't do the delicacy that you do with uh, borsilica glass. You can make a wine glass with borsilica glass because you can make the very delicate figures on the bottom or do something intricate with it. With the uh, blown glass out of a furnace, it's a little bit uh, more cumbersome to be able to make something very delicate. You have to really know years in practice. Incredible. So there's two different glasses altogether. Elliot, when we talk about the term white label, uh, where you just stick a label on it, you're buying the whiskey, uh, the rye whiskey, it's coming down, you're aging it in a warehouse, then I assume somebody is bottling it for you. What is you're part of the, of the uh, operation. Yeah, so we are actually a DSP, a distiller's permit holder, right from the tax, uh, tax and Trade Bureau. So we are a registered distillery here in New Orleans. So we do age everything down here in our facility. We are working with uh, partners to help us bottle it with large bottling capacity and large machines to do that. But it's us, you know, our staff, our folks that are in there hand finishing every single bottle. And what we mean by that, as you look at the bottle and talking about glass, Gene, we might have to work something out because prices keep going up here. <laughs> um, we're taking you know, a unique approach to our ceiling with a wax dip here. So imagine a series of 1970s era crock pots with no safety shut off, 
us dipping everything by hand. <laughs> um, and we're packaging it, we're promoting it, we're putting out into the market. And when you think about the formula of the distillate that's going in, that is something that we have chosen to be proprietary for us at River Basin. And if you think about the barrels, as we were talking about earlier, there's a lot of different variations on the char or the burn that you do inside the barrels to get out all of those flavors in the wood. So we use a pretty high char, number four, on the staves and head of the barrel. So when you talk about you know, the customization of what we're putting into our product, it's, it's extremely high. And we're really, really proud of the fact that we're replicating a whiskey that can be used in all of our fantastic New Orleans-based cocktails, Sazerac's, Vucarest, La Louisiane. So it is unique to New Orleans. That is, and Gene, uh, first I get that really cool building on Magazine Street. Who goes in? Is it, um, what do you think the breakdown of locals and tourists are? It's interesting because the building actually was, we rent it for the, from Mr. Boatner Riley. It was his idea to have a place for the grad students to be able to continue, not only in glass, we do metal sculpture, we do letterpress, printmaking. So there's a variety of things that the graduate students in the art department, Tulane, can continue sharing their skills. This also produces itself in the summertime. They'll have full-time jobs all year round because of the fact that the students then leave school. They have something to do all summer long, and we're teaching. With COVID, we were teaching 30 students every day because we're one of the only two studios in the United States that had the safe way of blowing glass without putting the pipe in your mouth. You didn't share the pipe the traditional way. Is this dangerous? We, we have a foot pedal, just like your dentist does. So you put your foot on the foot pedal, compressed air comes up to the mouth of the pipe, and you do not put it in your mouth or near your mouth. It's all hands-on. It's pretty incredible. So it was Mr. Riley's uh, idea. It's not only Tulane students that are coming. We have people from all over the country coming. Yeah, I think the convention business might. Uh, they're something. pretty tied up. They're kind of busy. Yeah. It's actually maybe their spouses. Oh, okay. um, the, I say in the summer, it's all local people. People, except for people visiting their grandparents that are coming to visit New Orleans to see the grandparents for a week or two. Even we've had people from Dubai that are visiting grandparents, but it's a great uh, education for them because where else in the country can you safely teach anybody to blow glass, do metal sculpture? We're incredible. We have the uh, teacher from Delgado coming to teach us in the summertime. You couldn't have it any better. Printmaking is a plus. Elliot, when I look at um, the way rye whiskey is priced, it's sort of, well, I guess this is more of an investment term, but a barbell where you've got uh, an investment business, you have bonds that are coming due very soon and bonds that are coming due many years from now. It seems like that in the rye whiskey business where you've got a lot of stuff that's pretty inexpensive, maybe you'd mix it with a drink, like you said, a Sazerac, and it gets wild on the other side. Where are you? Yeah, so that's a great question, Peter. And that was one of the things that we set out as a challenge for ourselves, my partners, John Suarez and Andrew Albert, to solve for, right? So, you know, for those that are, are whiskey aficionados, American bourbon has had a meteoric rise over the last, let's call it 15, 20 years. Rye whiskey, bourbon's close cousin, is following on its coattails. So if you look at the spectrum of available rise in the market, like you say, it's a barbell. So you have a lot, which we call on the lower end of the pricing scale, that are good for cocktailing, um, and that's fantastic. Then you have a lot on the other end of the spectrum, which are really, really niche, you know, that are finished in rum casks or cognac casks, and they're going to cost you $80, $90, over $100. Uh, and you're not going to cocktail with something like that, right? So we said, can we make something that's in the middle of that spectrum, that is a stand-up, 
great rye whiskey that you can sip neat on the rocks on its own and it's going to be award-winning and be fantastic but that you can also due to its neutral profile in terms of flavor and mash bill still make great cocktails with at a price point that's affordable so our what is that price point by the way how much do these bottles cost <laughs> well great you asked <laughs> so our msrp is around uh 35.99 that's what you can get locally here we do have partners that ship to all 50 states so you're going to add a little bit of shipping on there um but here in new orleans we want to keep it affordable for those that like to drink and make cocktails how much does a, a really wild niche uh, rye whiskey cost. Yeah, so there are some out there that can go as for as much as five, six hundred dollars, if you can imagine that. It is absolutely crazy in the American whiskey section right now. Is that like the Balvini? You're getting to really, you know what I'm talking about, the ones with the, in Ireland where they age it so long, Balvini? Yeah, so Balvini, that's, that's a Scottish whiskey, right? Or Irish whiskey, I should say. Yes. Uh, and those are obviously, you know, Scotch and fine Irish whiskeys have been known to be priced high for a long time. I'm looking at that. Surprisingly, there are a lot of American whiskeys. So think of, on the bourbon side, Pappy Van Winkle. That might be a brand name you have heard. There's people that are Pappy hunters, and they're looking to buy it on the second or tertiary markets for, you know, 10x the MSRP. Uh, on the rise side, that's starting to happen, too. So we want to make sure that we create something that is available. Uh, we don't necessarily agree with that kind of market pricing and, you know, secondary markets that people are buying and selling into. But American whiskey and rye whiskey specifically are, are having a really good resurgence. Do you know what the uh, dots on the bottom make mean? Uh, on the bottom of the glass, pointing out the little dots, yes. Uh, for us, that's a marking of where we can place the center of our label, of our rear label. I don't know if there's a, you probably know better. Well, usually, <laughs> I mean, this is one of the things our children, when we teach them education about glass, this is uh, uh, for the uh, you know, people that are blind. So when you go into a liquor store, and, and mainly in Europe, you don't see it as much here, and sometimes I'll see it here where they'll even have Braille on the label. The problem is that you're know, feeling it and you're knowing what you're buying because evidently there's a great many people. They have much more respect, I think, in Europe for people who are hearing impaired and also not able to see. And the, the, on the bottom, you'll see those things that for you it's to center it, but basically for uh, in Europe you'll see all kinds of little codes on the bottom and it's for the people who can't you know. You two should be sharing a I pizza. This is new. so great. Yes, I will definitely have a slice I'm, of pizza. Gina, Gina, I'm glad you went where you're going because I really thought we were having children make whiskey bottles there for a while and I thought well they do oh they do uh, yes, all right yes, so they it's do. Um... they learn how to let's put it that way <laughs> you're listening to out to lunch I'm Peter Raschuti I'm talking with Gene Blair from New Orleans Glassworks and Elliot Weiner from River Basin Distillery now when I go uh, by your shop I always kind of look in the window because it's so attractive the Christmas ornaments and everything that you have out out there it would seem like you have two different groups of people. You have professional glass blowers that are making things and selling them, and then you have people like me that would just go in and, um, you know, just give it a try. Well, for the everyday person who's just curious and wants to come in, we always have two people in the gallery, and they'll say, okay, what can I do for you? Right now, we have the uh, carrier pigeon display up, because during World War II, uh, each one of the pigeons had messages that went back and forth between Great Britain and, and uh, Normandy. Now, these so, are real pigeons. Yeah, these were okay. real pigeons, but ours are glass. So we made about 30 glass pigeons, and each one of them represent a different spy book. But they all have the original cartridges on them from World War II, and they have parachutes that were from World War II, where they're landing in our window. 
on the 6th of uh, June, when the original day for the 70th you know, anniversary of the landing of D-Day, what Lots happened was that the um, all our students had their own pigeons. So in the printmaking department, they designed little coded things, and they put them in the pigeons on the, uh, the disc, and they flew them off to, off to their different states. So the winning pigeon, $15,000 for the scholarship. You know, Queen Elizabeth races pigeons with Mike Tyson. So pigeons well, are, and radar can't pick them up. So they're, they're glass pigeons all over our studio <laughs> flying around. Sounds like the beginning of a joke. Two people walk into a bar, Mike Tyson, Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Bunch yeah. of pigeons, right? But he can't go over to, to England because of his convictions. Yeah, oh, they won't let him over there. That's actually what's holding yeah. Elliot back. That's, no, uh, the, no. that's so, no. that is so great. I have to compliment you, Elliot. I mean, to, right out of the gates, you made, at batch number one, you actually won an award. We I mean, did. That's ridiculous, isn't it? No, we're very proud of it. Yeah. yeah. So we won a silver medal from the American Distilling Institute, the ADI, for best craft whiskey, uh, which for us was phenomenal, being you know relatively new and uh, a new entrant into that category. So we displayed that on our uh, you know bottles with a little wax emblem of the award, um, and now we're ready for the next one. And we're on to batch five, which is what we have right here. And that's what you have on the bottles, right? You've got a signature and a number? Yeah, so we have our label, which, you know, if um, you're going to check out riverbasindistillery.com, you can see this right on our website. Uh, but the label is really invoking kind of the essence of New Orleans. So you clearly have the river, hence River Basin. Uh, it's blue, unlike the actual river, which looks more like the whiskey inside the bottle. Yes, yes, that's what I was going <laughs> to mention. I and if you had too much to drink, you could use that the label as a map to get home. Which there is, you go. You have the street grid on there. You can kind of see that. Uh, you know, a little nod to our water meter covers with some of the stars that are in the label. So if you're if you're from New Orleans, you'll appreciate the the detail in here. It's not just a bunch of fleur de lis and bourbon streets. Right. That's. But uh, wouldn't you really be able to expand your whiskey further if you made it to complement foods and using recipes? Does that uh, happen? And, and we are doing that, yes. Yeah. So we've done some partnerships with some local folks to do pairings with different uh, barbecue plates and meats. So whiskey and meat is a big, you know, comparison. Um, you know, the cheese side of things is more dominated by wine, but we're trying to get in there with some of the more smoky cheeses. But, yeah, some of the flavors you get from the wood, right, are some of the same flavors you get from smoking, you know, a lot of different types of meats, meat yeah. in that type of hickory or a white oak or what have you. So Your there are complementary. Are Your graphics are terrific with the Mississippi River on it. But what does the number mean on the side here? No, great question. So we, as we said, we hand finish every bottle. So we sign at the end of each uh, bottle are batch numbers so 005 on this bottle is batch number five uh and the folk you know the person who bottled this just puts their mark here so it's How a little optimistic seal of approval three digits with a five you know that there's going to be hundreds of these eventually i'm excited for 007 I, we gotta do <laughs> something go. fun there well, that's coming up so many guests tell us that they're having trouble finding labor i would think yours would be even more difficult because you need a certain skill set. Is that a problem? It, it, it is interesting because, you know, the universities and also a lot of the uh, studios and even our summer students that come up through our program that we have, they want to be blowing glass and teaching glass. At a certain stage, they can teach glass. So actually, it's 
harder in some respects to get somebody who's good at what they can do. That's our problem. There are many of them out there, but you want to get like the good bricklayer, the good glassblower. We're so lucky now. We have a gentleman from Tennessee who was a, was a protege of a professor who retired. So we've got the, probably the, one of the best instructors in the United States. The Jehuli people started with us as kids out of college. When I used to run Boston, I'd go over to MassArt and I'd say, you, 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 when you graduate, come down to New Orleans and teach here. Six of them got to be so good, they went out to Seattle. They keep coming back to New Orleans because they like the woman, the food, and the music, and they'll make their own things. They like to make musical instruments, and they'll teach. So this is a plus to have the people that started. I mean, we've been there for almost 40 years, so when you have wow. the amount of people we have that come through there, uh, a lot of Europeans, they haven't come in the last two years, but we have had the best of the best because we're one of, we and Corning partner together. So they're no competition because they're up in, you know, Corning, New York, and we're here. And it's the bayou down here. It's the water. It's the natural Venice. Here we are. We're, and, and unfortunately, in Venice, they hardly have any glass blowers right now because of the gas situation. I've got to ask you a question. As you mentioned, you ran Boston. Did you run the marathon there? I've run Boston 25 years in a row. I've run New York 25 years in a row, and I've run the Causeway five times. I would so have opened my, with that your once heart's I muscle. shook hands with somebody. No, well, I mean, you, I mean you, I've got a huge responsibility at the school, and if it doesn't have adult supervision um, and you have somebody that's going to be able to stand up to some of the interesting things that go on, um, I, I've got to stay in good shape. It's very important. I ran Boston in 82, but Congratulations. I, I thought once Unbel was enough. Well, 25 seems to be it's, a little it, over it, the top. It, didn't you just want to, I hope you got out every day and do jogging or something. Yeah, I trained, but I never went more than eight miles the last, you know, the last... Uh, well, Last 18 were really hard. You did it, so be proud of it. Okay. <laughs> Is there a category for competitive drinking? Because you know, maybe Yeah, that, that could, could be, be where you stand. <laughs> that could be something hey. I could compete in. Now, Elliot, you've talked about partnerships, and the one that just jumped out at me, I know you have lots of them, but you have a partnership with French Truck. Now, you know they make coffee, right? There's... Yes. 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 And I found that out um, the hard way. No. So, uh, so Jeffrey Meeker and Bobby Winston over at French Truck, uh, fantastic partners of ours. Um, and they started out in a garage on Magazine Street years ago, so they appreciate that startup mentality. Um, and so we approached them in the early days of the pandemic in 2020, saying, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could combine our products into something creative and unique? And so after a lot of fun trials uh, and taste tests, we came up with what we have here, which is on the table, our River Basin Coffee Cordial, utilizing French trucks, cold brew, medium roast coffee. Uh, and it's a fantastic marriage of two you know, beverages that really have a deep history here in New Orleans. So if you think about coffee, even today, New Orleans and the Port of New Orleans, which is just right outside here, is the number one importer of coffee for North America, right? So it all comes through, or most of it comes through the Port of New Orleans. Whiskey, if you look at the history of whiskey, you can read this on the back of our bottle or on our website, as we do today, was sourced from the Ohio River Valley, now more the Tennessee River Valley. Uh, that's where you grow the rye grains, and that's where the distillers are. And it was shipped down to New Orleans in oak barrels. So you have this intersection of coffee coming up from South America and Latin America and whiskey coming down from the Ohio and Tennessee River Valleys intersecting in New Orleans. And that's what we expressed here with our coffee cordial. So it's our rye whiskey, as I said, French Trucks cold brew coffee. We make our own oat milk, uh, so non-dairy, lactose-free, gluten-free, shelf-stable most importantly, 
creamer, a little bit of simple syrup, so a little bit of sweetener in there, and a hint uh, of cacao nib for a chocolate finish. It's a ready-to-drink, uh, alcoholic, ice-cold, uh, ice-brewed coffee right out of the bottle. You've spiked iced coffee. Now that, that now we're, <laughs> we're at the end now. This is a... Uh, hey, uh, am I wrong on this, Gene? Um, you mentioned European tourists coming in a lot, you know, not not up to co with COVID, but otherwise, is glass blowing something that's just more popular outside of New Orleans or even outside of the country? Well, this is interesting. The uh, General Assembly of the United Nations asked us this year to be a representative for education for the International Year of Glass, 2022. So we are representing the International Year of Glass with Corning because of our safety factor of blowing glass. And this is the year that we are now getting many Europeans going back and forth because we are one of the international educational facilities in the country with young adults to adults teaching. Elliot, obviously I was fascinated with the partnership you have with French Truck Coffee. What are other uh, partnerships you would have? Yeah, so we have a lot of great local partnerships and part of the success of River Basin has been our ability to reach out to retailers, restaurant owners, bar uh, owners and make sure that they understand our product and are promoting it uh, in a way that's true and authentic to the brand. So if you look at some of the you know first um, companies to carry us in their stores, Grand Crew uh, out in the Marigny, they're fantastic partners of ours. Uh, there's been several, you know, um, restaurants here in town, the Roosevelt, uh, Sazerac Bar, uh, you know, Dominica, a lot of the restaurant groups, and they're all supporting local. And so it really is that people-to-people -people interaction that is critical to the success of any consumer packaged product, but specifically one where you're trying to break into a new category uh, and get in front of people, have them try you in a cocktail, have them pick you up off the shelf. So those partnerships locally have just been tremendous for us. And Gene, you have... <laughs> You have a very different kind of partnership uh, with a hospital. How does that work? Well, it's not only with um, NYU Langoon Hospital, which Langoon's Mr. Home Depot. He pays for every student to go to NYU for free. So they came to us during a meeting, and their cardiologist spent a week in our studio. And one of the things that really surprised me were the doctors that did transplants of hearts. And they asked us to do their hand in glass and a heart on their hand. And I was so surprised when doctors would say, you wouldn't believe how many hearts I've held in my hand. But we uh, did, I think, about at least uh, 23 or 4 of them for different doctors. And they actually were giving them to friends to say thank you for different occasions because they work as teams together. And they get together also to improve what they've learned so that the next transplant is going to be as successful, if not more successful. But these are children. And, you know, uh, when I used to photograph for John Ochsner in the operating room, he was doing children in the beginning. And then he did adults. So it was something that um, it sort of led right into what I'd been doing for Auctioner. John's not alive anymore. And then we were doing the, uh, the transplants. But with the International Year of Glass, that they are also doing, there's a whole podcast and video of them, how they're making Band-Aids now with glass in them for people with diabetes. And also they're making bones because the bones do not, out of glass, they do not reject parts of your body. So you, you're not like putting in a foreign pig, uh, something you know from a pig valve or something. The glass seems to be very successful. So scientifically, glass is incredible. When you think they're using the borsilica glass on the tiles of the space shuttle, and the same thing they make bombs out of, that's pretty unusual. 
Well, I would have never thought that. I, I am a big buyer of your Christmas ornaments in the window, but I would never thought of uh, that. I, if you make hearts out of glass, I mean, brings a new meaning to um, a broken some, heart. Some of the ornaments are made out of borosilica glass. Oh, the okay. intricate, you can't do with the ornaments that have something inside of them. Those are all borosilica glass, and glass is a very stronger, it's a stronger chemical glass. We need some of that to prevent some breakage. We just have some regular super flint glass here, so we'll, we'll have to talk. <laughs> Get some custom molds made. I would love if you guys became partners. partners. I'd like to see you put out a line of wine glasses. Excuse me, wine glasses. I'm saying the whiskey yeah, glasses. Yeah, rocks glasses. Be, yeah, that'd something be because to to be at part, you know, to be adding to it, so you sell it as a the whiskey glass with your kind of the holiday set. Yeah, that you exactly. See. No, that would be one that thing. Would be you've fantastic. got to think out of the box. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Elliot, you um, one of your partners, John Suarez, is a former student of mine. He's on the finance side of your team. You're on the, you do the marketing, right? That's right. So there's three of us that came together in our founders of River Basin. So John Suarez, myself, Elliot Weiner, and then uh, Andrew Albert. And we all came together, one, as whiskey lovers, uh, but two, without an extensive background in distilled spirits. So as you mentioned, John, you know, hopefully he was a good student. I've heard good things. Yes, really. I, <laughs> I obviously enough, I actually um, I brought his transcript here. To, uh, oh, great, great. great. Well, we'll make sure that uh, <laughs> that gets posted on the website. But John coming from that finance side, uh, Andrew coming from the entrepreneurial startup side, and myself coming from the marketing and advertising side, and saying, hey, look, you know, there's this gap in kind of rye whiskey production here in New Orleans. Can we fill that here locally and expand hopefully nationally and get some recognition? Let's just put our blood, sweat, tears into this process um, and our combined skills and backgrounds and see if we can make it work. So through, uh, you know, uh, an old warehouse that we've turned into the distillery behind the Superdome to going out and hitting the streets and selling our wares, you know, door to door to forging some of the partnerships like we have right now with French Truck. Um, and another one I'll love to mention is the coalition to our store, Coastal Louisiana. We're a strategic partner of theirs. So a portion of all proceeds of every sale goes to the CRCL to help rebuild our coastlines. Because if we don't have coast, we can't make whiskey, we can't drink, we can't have a good time. Elliot, do you, do you make money? Or, uh, <laughs> they, or is that down the road? I would think this would be a, I think of why it would be tough to start up. First of all, you've got to keep these barrels for a couple of years and no money coming in there. What, what you, what, what's the game plan? Yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, you know, you do have to have a lot of capital expenditures up front, right? From everything from warehousing, equipment, labor, um, obviously the actual raw materials and the product itself. And then you can't sell it for, you know, X amount of years, right? In our case, three to four years until it's aged and is actually suitable for consumption. So, so you're so, driving Uber between now and then? Or yeah. Is <laughs> so, <that laughs> so no, I mean, we've just really bootstrapped it. Uh, that's been the key to our success. So we haven't had to take on a lot of outside um, investment or, you know, financing. We haven't had to take on a lot of debt. Uh, it's just been us trying to keep this chugging along. And we are now at that three-year mark where the futures, as you would say, that we've been purchasing in terms of new distillate are coming of age. So we're on batch five right now, batch six, seven, eight, nine, and beyond are going to be really, really good for us in terms of revenue and margin because that is stuff that we have been purchasing and storing for three years. And Gene, you are a non-for-profit, and um, as much as I love what you're doing, I think it would be very difficult to go into a bank and get, uh, get a loan. Where did the money come from? Uh, interestingly enough, we have the situation where the City Hall has decided to triple 
our property taxes. <clears throat> so what happened was that I decided, why are they doing this to us? And I thought, this is really going to strap us. So I went down to City Hall twice. And he said, well, you know, you are in a very uh, apparable place for condominiums. Why do you have the school there? I said, I've been there for 40 years. How am I going to move two furnaces? He said, I think you can find someplace else for you. So then I realized there's some interesting, um, shall we say, uh, real estate companies that are interested in our building, even though we rent it from the Riley Louisiana Coffee Company. And so I told him, as long as I can do pole dancing, I'm going to be staying right there. And the problem is that you banks won't give you anything because they don't understand what you are. So I do have some very, uh, shall we say, uh, generous uh, people backing the school. And this has made it successful for our summer programs and our fall programs for all our young adults. We would not be able to afford to have them come if we didn't have the backing of people who did understand. And I mean, there's Corning Glass, there's other individuals that know what we do. And it's been a big success that way. When we talk about the economy, we typically like to divide things into neat categories. Uh, among those categories are manufacturing, tourism, hospitality, and fine arts. But when we're talking about manufacturing whiskey and high-end pieces of glassworks that are all purchased by tourists and locals and can be found in bars and restaurants, those categories are blurred in a way that's unique to our New Orleans economy. Gene and Elliot, you're both contributing to all kinds of categories in our local economy. Thanks for everything you're doing, and thank you so much for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you for having us. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Gene Blair, founder of New Orleans Glassworks and Printmaking Studio, and Elliot Wiener, co-founder of River Basin Distillery. We edited the show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Elliot's Whiskey and Gene's Glass by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app or on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business, New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base joneswalker.com and by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugar cane Three Roll is cane to glass and by Basics Swimming Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie and by the It's New Orleans Happy Hour Podcast Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch you can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com 